You're listening to The Alligator Podcast, a podcast where the independent Florida alligator, the largest student newspaper in the country, discusses our latest stories on the University of Florida, Gainesville, and beyond. Subscribe and tune in weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud to hear our latest episodes on news, sports, and much more. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Alligator, as well as find all of our latest stories at alligator.org. Hello and welcome to the Alligator Podcast. I am your host, Graham Marsh. You can find me on Twitter at Graham Marsh UF. Today is the news section of the podcast. We have a very interesting UF administration story regarding COVID-19 screening. Um, I am joined by Alligator staffer Ariana Aspiru. Ariana, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, so Ariana, before we get into the story and before we uh, kind of talk about a whole bunch of details because there's a whole lot here to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Go ahead and tell everybody where you can be found on Twitter. Um, maybe some other stories you've been working on for the alligator so far, how long you've been with the alligator and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I just started working with the alligator this semester. Uh, it's actually my first uh, experience doing uh, real reporting, um, having things published. So it's a really good experience for me. And I right now I'm working a little more on university stuff. Um, I recently helped with the article about UF's big AI announcement. And I've also been doing a couple stuff um, throughout the semester. I've covered a couple of protests. I've covered um, actually a good number of protests, which has been really, really cool for me. Um, And also you can find me on Twitter on uh, Ariana, L-U, and then three Zs. Sounds good. Um, so Ariana there, I mean, there's so much to unpack with this story and it, it starts with the headline. Um, so for, for those listening, the story can obviously be found over at alligator.org and it's called the high COVID-19 positivity rate of students on UF's, on UF's website is misleading. Um, so obviously the story explains it, but for those that haven't read the story, tell us kind of in a brief nutshell why those numbers are misleading. Mm-hmm. So um, just a little bit of, of information on how we figured out this story was uh, we saw the U.S. Screen Health and Protect website has two numbers there for students. It had a number that was 686 and it had a number of, I believe it was somewhere in the 100s. Um, it was 163. And when you do the math there, it's pretty much 25% students were testing positive is what the, is what the website said. And 686 students were tested at UF, which is what the website said. And we saw that and we're like, wow, this is an extremely high number, 25%. Um, nothing close to the state average, nothing close to the faculty number. So I contacted the director of the UF Health Screen Test and Protect program. And I asked him this, this same question. I was, I said, why is the, the number so high? And um, what are we doing to protect these 25% students that are testing positive? So then he said to me, that's, it's actually not that high. It's, uh, we're trying to fix the website because it doesn't give the user enough information so that they can accurately look at that data and, and, and see what we're seeing. 
So what the number actually does represent is 686 students who had symptoms similar with COVID, went to the student healthcare center on campus and were seen and were ordered a test. So out of those students who had symptoms already similar with COVID, 25% of those were testing positive. So Ariana, um, one of the first, one of the first paragraphs early in the story says, the population of people being tested and recorded on the website is largely made up of symptomatic students, which is what you just said, who were tested at UF Student Healthcare Center, said UF Health Screen Test and Protect Director Michael Lazardo. It is not yes. representative of the UF student body as a whole. So, I mean, that's that's essentially what you just said. But um, the reason I read that again to you is to, to really just ask why uh, did you ever get a reason of why that would be on there? Why would they only report the numbers of students who were symptomatic and went mm-hmm. to the student healthcare center, which is, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that's not representative of every UF student. Um, mm-hmm. Why Why would they do that? Like, why, why would you put that on there? Why would you want the number to seem higher than it is? That doesn't make sense. So the we asked them this question when we figured out that uh, this was the case um, and they replied to us, I think a day after. Um, but when I was talking to him, I asked this and he said that they actually didn't, when they were putting up the website, they didn't realize that it was a little bit misleading or confusing to someone who wasn't part of uh, their team. So he said, as someone who's an epidemiologist, I believe he's an epidemiologist or he's, he does this um, a lot. Um, he sees those numbers and understands what they mean. Um, but someone else looking at them wouldn't understand what they mean. And they didn't realize that until they put the website up and we're getting calls from faculty saying that, why are so many students getting sick and what are we doing to help the students? So they didn't realize that this was the case when they put that website up, which is, uh, which is a little bit, um, confusing for someone on the outside to see. Um, but it's it's important to see that one of the things that I heard a lot in the conversation was all they wanted was transparency. They wanted numbers up. Um, and they also just recently started uh, recording those numbers and um, actually getting into those numbers is a little bit difficult because a lot of students can get tested in a lot of different ways. Um, it's really hard to, something I learned from our conversation as well, was that it's really hard to track student numbers just because, you know, you can get a test at CVS, you can get a test at your local doctor, you can get a test a million different ways. Um, But it's just when they put that number of just symptomatic students, it really is a little bit concerning. So I- Well, right, because, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, like obviously, obviously the rate of students getting tested that are symptomatic with COVID-19 related symptoms, obviously that rate is going to be higher than just the entire rate, including people that have no symptoms. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, like, and it's kind of like what we were saying, like, it doesn't really take a genius to figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, to kind of continue with that, um, if, because you say, you say later on in the story, as of Thursday morning, 
UF Health's website reports that about one of four students tested for COVID-19 received positive results. If accurate, that number would indicate that a UF student is at higher risk, one out of four, than the average person in America, one out of 10, to contract COVID-19. Because the reality is, if the United States or the state of Florida had a true one in four rate, I mean, UF would be going online this fall. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's like, there's no way they would have in-person classes. Um, but the, the reason that I bring that up is because I really want to get into this quote um, from Lazardo that says, if I could turn back time, quote, if I could turn back time, I would have never put that up and never have allowed that to be put up, unquote. So you, you cut, you've kind of mentioned it with faculty and stuff calling. It sounds like there's, there's more people calling them and asking about this highly concerned there's more people than just the alligator that are publishing a story about it like a lot of people are really concerned about this number Mm -hmm. and and that was what i understood too because i put myself in the in the mindset of my kids going to uf um and they're possibly doing their first fall at uf and i want to see what the numbers are and if they're safe and if i go onto that website i see 25 percent, and i think I I can't send my kid there. Yeah. There's 20 students testing positive. Right. So, okay, let's kind of transition here into uh, later on the story where you say UF spokesperson Steve Orlando declined to comment in time for publication. He did not specify how long the university has been working to update the site with clearer and more representative data. Which students' testing information is tracked on the UF Health website? how many UF students have been tested for COVID-19 or what percentage of them have tested positive. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it sort of sounds like UF was, UF's health website was just so concerned with having numbers up that Perhaps they didn't really take the time to consider all that would go into having accurate representative numbers of just what portion of UF students are testing positive. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, that could be the case because one of the things that Lozardo said to me on the conversation as well was that when they realized that these numbers and the dashboard of the website, the way it was framed, was misleading they had the conversation of taking it down altogether, just scrapping the website for a couple of days and then reposting it when it was a little more um, accurate or maybe not accurate, but it had a little more information for the normal user. But he said that they didn't want to do that because they didn't want to seem that they were hiding anything. They wanted to be completely open and 100% transparency to tell people, look, this is what we have. This is what we don't have. But I think in doing that is when the communication was a little bit lost between the team and the general public. So since then, um, that said, since they have not taken down the site or the numbers for the time being, um, have they changed anything? Have they put a disclaimer? Have they have they done anything? As of the the article's publication, it was published on the twenty third, and um, for the past couple weeks before this, UF has been updating the numbers on the website every single day. Um, but they have not updated the website since the 22nd. So the day before when I was in contact with them, uh, letting them know about the article that we were going to write. So as of not too long ago, 
No. Mm-hmm. No, they have not. There's no... Um, the only the footnote on the website says that student statistics reflect only those students who were tested at the UF Student Healthcare Center. But other than that, it doesn't say anything about symptoms. It doesn't say um, the website's still the same, basically, as we looked a couple days ago. Got you. So um, later on in the story, this is pretty late in the story. Um, the UF Health Screen Test and Protect program is a public health initiative by UF to gradually and safely allow for students, faculty, and staff to return to campus, according to its website. It includes a screening program which requires students to fill out a questionnaire requiring them to answer questions based on their symptoms and previous activity before returning to campus. So, um, this is not directly what your article talks about, but this kind of goes hand in hand with it. Um, and it contributes to the kind of numbers they're going to have. So, like, I as a UF student, and I'm sure you as a UF student, obviously have filled out this questionnaire because we have to or we can't return to campus. Um, and we have holds on our account if we don't. So, <laughs> like, but I mean, the questionnaire is, first of all, the the questionnaire, this is happening weeks before we return to campus in august so mm-hmm. like the difference between the numbers now and the numbers when students do return to campus can be so drastically changed within that amount of time um and then also like the questionnaire was like there was really no required proof of anything it's not like you're required to get a test. Like you could just lie about basically everything they're asking if you, if you wanted to. So like, so the reason I'm bringing this up is just like, how do you think if, if you think it might even be possible at all, how would UF be able to post any sort of numbers that could be even a little bit accurate? Honestly, uh, especially since what you mentioned was that we're so far out um, from fall semester, which is what everyone's got on their minds. I don't think that they're, with all these factors playing in, the different tests they can take, the questionnaire, the symptoms, between now and then, the day before fall, they could get symptoms and then not be able to get a test in time. But I genuinely don't think that there's a way for them to accurately reflect any of those numbers just because of so many different factors. But I think that one thing that they can do, which is uh, something that they mentioned that they, uh, which is where this whole thing came from, they just wanted to put some information out there to ease some minds. One thing they can do is update the website, put that information out there saying that these are students with symptoms. And they do have some numbers of students tested at UF because they were able to provide me with that after the article's publication. And it really is not it's not many students testing positive. So uh, as of July 23rd, UF Health told me that they had tested 6,675 students without symptoms as part of the program. Uh, That probably included students that began testing for opting in. Uh, I know there's testing at the O'Connell Center, there's testing at Student Health Center, there's a bunch of different ways you can get tested at UF. So the total of students tested at UF has been 7,631. Okay. And 
163 of those tested positive with symptoms. That was the number that was reflected on the website. But so, what was the total the total number that got tested? You said total num- total number that got tested with symptoms and without symptoms is what you want. Yeah, the the complete yeah. number of students that have been tested. Yeah, the complete number of students that have been tested is seven thousand three hundred and sixty one. And then one hundred and sixty three tested positive. One hundred and three sec- tested positive with symptoms, which is what was on the website. Um, but a total of twenty seven students tested positive without symptoms. Got you. So you're you're not talking a super high percentage there. It really is not compared um, to. It- Compared yeah. to the the twenty five percent, yeah. If you take out the the numbers on the website from that, so you take out the six eighty six, because all those students went to the student health care center with symptoms, said you know we probably need a test. If you take out that, twenty seven students tested positive out of uh, six thousand six hundred and seventy five. So, so honestly, that's. You know, in, in relation to the story, that could be perceived as bad news for UF because the the numbers were so off. But in general, as far as just a COVID testing report, that's actually really good news mm-hmm. when it comes to trying to get students and faculty back on campus, right? You would imagine. Mm-hmm. It is. And one thing I think to to consider as well is a lot of the students who are getting tested now are probably students who have been at Gainesville the whole, whole summer because you know it's midsummer um, and they're they're getting tested. Right. One thing I'd personally thought of, I'm from Miami. Um, we have a, a lot of COVID cases here. There's a lot of UF students from Miami. So in my head I'm thinking all these Miami kids are gonna go five hours up to Gainesville and we probably have a higher rate of having COVID than anyone in Gainesville. So I feel like all these numbers are just so susceptible to change that it's really hard to gauge how we're actually doing and how we're actually going to do in the fall. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I was sort of thinking the same thing because as, um, you know, other than the, the five hour part, like you said, because my drive is an hour and a half instead of five hours, mm-hmm. you could, you could insert Jacksonville instead of Miami mm-hmm. and say that exact same thing. And, you know, Orlando, Tampa, the list goes on of big cities that are a hotbed for Florida students that have also recently been a hotbed for COVID cases. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right. That's a huge factor um, of students that have been in cities that are not Gainesville and particularly big cities. Um, and especially considering the rate that Florida's cases have been spiking overall, um, that's a big, big, big factor, um, considering the difference between now and the fall. Um, so that said, at the end, at the very end of your story, it says in an email to the alligator, um, Garcia, wait, who's Garcia? Uh, Ken Garcia. He's a spokesperson for UF Health. Okay. Um, your last paragraph says, in an email to the alligator, Ken Garcia said that some students will be required will be required to test, including students who are coming from, quote, areas designed as hot zones, unquote, and those who will be working in clinical settings. Um, did you get any information or do you have any information? Or if you don't, do you at least maybe have like a hunch of what those hot zones might be? 
So that was a little bit of context to, to add into the story. Uh, I think since that is a big question of what exactly are these hot zones, that's something we possibly will be looking into now in the coming weeks, but coming into fall. But personally, I definitely think that it would be those areas that you just talked about. Uh, anyone, especially coming from Miami, Tampa, Orlando, Florida, those areas that have seen so many positive cases and, and especially with, let's be honest, everyone's college kids. Um, I know a lot of people who aren't social distancing and um, a lot of people have been going to the beach and going to parties and, 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 and honestly getting COVID. So I think definitely those students from those areas and then also possibly even students from out of state areas that are really positive, maybe California. I know New York isn't doing too bad anymore, but possibly New York as well. And you, you mentioned some out of state students. Um, <laughs> and, and you mentioned with New York and California. I mean, those are two states that have had really strict social distancing guidelines. Imagine a student coming from like Georgia or South mm-hmm. Carolina that that hasn't had strict social distancing guidelines at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, it, it obviously all depends on where they're from and how highly concentrated of an area that is, and what they've done, what that what that particular student has done in their time away from campus. There, like we've talked about, there's so many different factors on this that um, it's it's borderline impossible to predict a rate coming from um, the students that haven't been in Gainesville all summer. Because um, because one thing I that I know very well, and I'm sure you know as well too, uh, Gainesville during the summer is not exactly a, a large city. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty yeah. dead. So if there's going to be a place to social distance, you know, Gainesville during the summer is 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 just about as perfect of a place as you could be. Yeah, I'd agree. Gainesville during the summer, especially now that so many students have just moved out early because their classes aren't in person and they want they don't want to stay there over the summer. Uh, it's it's definitely an empty place. But then coming into the fall, where we've all been there for the fall, it's football games, it's it's parents coming every weekend, it's it's a lot of people, and right. I'm just not sure how it's gonna how it's gonna pan out. Right, and uh, I think in in kind of more of a a nutshell view basically i think what what you and i are both trying to say here is that of course of course this is all prediction there's no um like we have no official data on this for sure but i think you and i would both probably predict that the rate that you found um of only 27 students testing positive that didn't have the symptoms that number will more than likely that rate will more than likely be higher um mm-hmm. however is it going to reach 25 percent? probably not it, 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 it probably you probably end up with when everyone returns you probably end up with the rate being somewhere in the middle of that mm-hmm. I'd, I'd agree i think that it's there's a high chance it's not going to reach that 25%, especially since Alachua County's rate of positivity is about about 5%, almost there. So that 25% is such a striking number, which is ex- exactly why we want to publish a story to, to possibly ease some minds that it's not 
but uh, it is good to keep in mind that with everyone coming back in the fall, uh, that number could change. And it's also, I think, personally, I think it's good to keep in mind that testing only goes so far. Uh, wearing masks, social distancing is really what's what's going to help you not contract this virus because testing is a snapshot um, of your symptoms in a certain portion of time. But uh, just implementing those measures is really what's going to keep you safe. And not only is it a snapshot, but it's not even a snapshot of when you receive your results, right? Because Mm -hmm. most people, unless you pay for the rapid testing, most people are having to wait, you know, give or take like five to seven days. Sometimes it's been even more. A lot of people's results have been seven to 10 days. A lot of people's results have gone even past that. Mm -hmm. So it makes it kind of a tricky situation because if you if your results come back negative well i mean that was you know 10 days that you could have contracted it mm-hmm. and if your results come back positive and it took 10 days well there's a good chance you've already gotten over it mm-hmm. so it and go ahead sorry i was going to say it also you have to trace your steps for those 10 days to see if you possibly made a mistake and saw someone and possibly gave it to them, you have to let them know. I think it's important letting people know when you're positive because you could be saving someone else's life that you don't even know. I agree. Um, so let's really quickly, um, cause we'll, we'll wrap up in the next few minutes here, but let's take, take what we've just said about, about the testing and tracing your steps and move that to a bigger scale. Um, because as of now, you say in the story um, that no student or faculty member has died of COVID-19 as far as the university is aware of. Ken Garcia, spokesperson for UF Health, wrote in an email to the Alligator. Um, that's, you know, obviously, in and of itself, that's obviously good. It's obviously a good thing that, that no one has died. Um, but what happens when the student from Tampa that has an underlying health concern that he doesn't even know about right now contracts coronavirus from campus and you know like I'm not trying to predict a death or anything of course not but uh, I do think that in UF shoes right now that they sort of have to assume the worst right Mm -hmm. just to be Mm -hmm. safe because what happens if something like that happens yeah and I mean that's a that's a real concern. There's so many students that have underlying health conditions that they know of or maybe don't even know of that coming to campus is a, a, a big step for them. And it's a big group of people that they're they're susceptible themselves to. And I think that UF really does uh, understand that burden of, of trying to keep those students safe and those even those faculty safe. So many faculty, we know a bunch of faculty in the journalism school that are older they're older people and they right. they're I'm, I'm sure that um they don't feel comfortable coming back to class as well as those students with with underlying health conditions so i really think it's a like you said before it's a lot to unpack there's a lot of different factors playing into the situation and it's just a, a matter of how is uf going to handle this and handle all of the aspects because there's so many different students even if we have to factor in international students we've talked about out-of-state students and there's also students who, uh, graduate students even, that have kids, uh, younger kids who go to school. And there's just, there's so many different factors here. So it's, it's I can see how it's difficult to for UF to track all these things. 
Oh yeah. And you know, you brought up the international students. We, we did a podcast on the international students last week. Um, or I think that was two weeks ago actually. Um, but it was before the ice regulation was reversed. Um, and that in and of itself is, I mean, that, that could be an entire podcast in and of itself, just predicting what's going to happen with international students returning international students that haven't left and where they've been. And there's all, there's all kinds of stuff with out of state international, and then even in state, like we've said from the bigger cities. Um, so that said, um, Ariana, go ahead. If you, if you can give us one last final overlying thought from this story that maybe you came away with in all of your coverage on it. You did a great job reporting it. You hit up all the, you hit all the, the important factors here. Um, so tell us maybe, maybe just one final big overarching thought that you have on this story. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want the story to be, uh, I'm found this damning information on UF health and it's, it's just gonna, gonna be really cool, um, to like expose that. I didn't want it to be that. I genuinely wanted this to be, uh, this is the correct information. And that's the understanding I got from Lozardo. This is the correct information and it's taking a while for the website to be updated. So we're going to put the right information out there so that people know. And my thought about all this is just, I understood UFs want to be transparent and post uh, whatever they had and whatever numbers they could get. Um, but I just wish that they could update. The, all, all I want, honestly, is to update the website. I think that that would make such an impact on the parents looking at it, the students watching it, the faculty looking at it, because it's true. Everyone's looking at the UF website to know how things are going because we don't know. I'm not there. I don't know how Gainesville is. Uh, 50,000 students want to know how Gainesville is doing. Right. And I would like for them to, as a student and as a reporter, I'd like for them to update the website to get that right information out there. That was my overall thought about all this. So what you're telling me is that you're a reporter that wants accurate information on a website. That is fact. That is, yes. How dare you? <laughs> okay, so so that said, um, go ahead one more time, Ariana, and give us your, your Twitter handle and maybe a story that you are currently working on, what you do with the alligator, how long you've been with the alligator, all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I have been working with the alligator over the summer. It's my first time working with the alligator. I am rising junior at the journalism school and my Twitter handle is Ariana and then LU three Z's. And as of now, I'm working on a story. Actually, this is a big story that we're working on. So as of now, I'm working on a story about student reactions to, uh, I don't know if you heard, but there was a, a recent story that came out probably a couple weeks ago. It was an ongoing investigation for Vanessa Guillen who she was a Mexican soldier that she went missing. Um, oh, wow. And she, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of issues there. It's a lot of issues in the Latinx community. Um, I'm also in the Latinx community. So it's really important, I think, for me to, to report on those issues. And I spoke to it with a bunch of students, and I hope it's a really good piece. So we're and, here in pod part two now? Is that what I'm hearing? Hmm? Are we here in podcast part two here? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. I think there's a lot... Um, of factors that play into that situation. So I really, really would love to, 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 for people to read it because it's, it's so important. 
Um, and then I'm also working on a story. We recently got some public records requests about the UF ordered a, a bunch of masks, um, and a bunch of different type of masks. So we were, we were looking to see what's the difference between the type of mask, which students are going to get uh, a, a bigger mask versus a smaller mask, and just what exactly and how that whole process is going to go. So they are providing some masks. So that's what's in the works right now. Sounds good. Um, and then last thing before I wrap up here, I've I've forgotten a couple times, but I did not forget today. So uh, you, I'm starting a new trend for the pod that whoever I have on has to leave me with a joke. Oh my goodness. So I need, I need a joke. It, it can be your best knock-knock joke. It can be a dad joke. It can be wherever you can find a joke within, within your brain will work. Give me one second. Sounds it's been good. while since I've had to say a joke. No Google. Usually like... Oh, usually like first day of class, eighth breaker, I'll sometimes whip one out. But um, the only one I can think of, and it's not really a knock knock joke. I just have the situation in my head. It's the, I've got, I've got the visualization of it. So if you can, if you can just think about it with me. Okay. Is you're at a restaurant. It's not a joke. Just, just, it's, it's just. Okay. I guess. It's pretend like you're, you're a dad. Okay. You just finished a nice spaghetti meal with your kids and you're at a restaurant and and the waitress comes back, all the plates are completely empty. Okay. And you say, well, we obviously didn't like it. You're going to have to take it back. Oh, uh, no. Maybe you want to stop that with me or just cut that out because that was terrible. That's all I could no, think I'm of. No, I'm absolutely not cutting that out. <laughs> I want to stay true to no Googling. So that's the first I'll, thing. I'll cut out the entire podcast and leave that like those 30 seconds. I, that'd be fine with <laughs> Um, okay, so so this has been the Alligator Podcast. Um, I, once again, have been joined by Ariana Aspuru, um, Alligator Staffer, who is covering uh, administration, right? University administration. University yes. administration. Sounds good. Um, you can find the story that we've been discussing to, on today's pod. The high COVID-19 positivity rate of students on UF's website is misleading. You can find that over at alligator.org. I'll give that a read. Um, so that said, this has been the alligator podcast. This has been the news section of the podcast. I'm your host, Graham Marsh. You can find me on Twitter at Graham Marsh UF. We appreciate everybody for listening and we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the alligator podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review and follow us on Twitter at the alligator, as well as find all of our latest stories at alligator.org.